The Start On Demand. On demand. A Winnipeg woman needs plastic surgery on her leg after she was bitten by a muskie in the Winnipeg River in Manaki. So that led to a conversation. Have you ever been attacked by an animal? I've been dealing with anxiety and pain as well. My knee has been killing me and people have been telling me I should try CBD. So we're going to speak to the Two Baked Girls podcast to get the lowdown on CBD. And happy 14th birthday to the Twin Towers, Greg Mackling's boys. It just so happens their birthday falls on the early bird deadline for the Tri-Hospital Dream Lottery. And Greg has a special salute to the St. Boniface Hospital and to everyone working in Manitoba hospitals. I'm Brett McGarry, alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb. We are Mackling, McGarry and McNabb. And this is the Thursday, July 30th podcast for The Start. Mackling and McGarry, McNabb is back next week from vacation. And yeah, indeed, for those uh, who maybe haven't tuned in yet this week, we are in our new studio, a 201 Portage, and there's um, one of, there are many monitors on the wall. I've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven monitors in front of me and another huge one behind me. And one of them on the wall has the temperature, uh, the wind speed, and where, when applicable, hopefully not for a long time yet, the wind chill. But there, there's nothing there. I just looked up and saw in the temperature block. It just says C, as in Celsius. Oh. Not okay, the- <laughs> great. It's very specific. Yeah, see, that it's part of what we do is we're supposed to be ready for that kind of stuff. We're supposed to look ahead, always be one, ready for the next step. But sometimes you forget. Yeah, well, you know what? It's early. It's Thursday. We're on the precipice of a long weekend, the Terry Fox long weekend. And, uh, hey, who could blame you for skipping a couple of steps? Let's just get all the mistakes out of the way at the beginning of the show today, and then we don't have to worry about it. Well, and the day actually got off to a much better start for me because finally I had a cab driver who did, I just, I got in and I didn't even bother waiting to see if he knew where he was going. I just said, going to 201 Portage, the tall building, northwest corner of Portage in Maine, go up Broadway, or no, I, I made him go up York turn left at Fort, and then uh, just go straight into the backloading zone. He turned off the meter for me even. He said, how much is it usually? Nine bucks-ish. He said, okay. And he turned off the meter, charging $9 on the debit, <clears throat> and uh, away he went. So I got here nice and quick this morning. So I'm feeling a lot better as we go into the day. As well, Greg, although I made a dangerous, uh, I connected some dangerous dots. Oh, do tell. Well, we're at Portage in Maine, and there's an escalator that goes down to the concourse. Yes. And, and there's a bunch of restaurants and stuff down there. I don't know what time they open, but usually they're often. I don't bring food here. I just wait until I go home. Uh, but if I now, depending on what's down there, what time they open. Oh, that they're not up, opening. They're not opening right now. Not, so nothing down there? No, I, when I came, when I was there on Monday and I came through, I noticed that uh, the cages were down even in the middle of the day. So okay. I guess they're not open right now, Okay, unfortunately. Well, You'll the- have to go further afield <laughs> to Winnipeg Square, I suspect, to, okay. to find some stuff or the Richardson Plaza. I think there's uh, there might be a Starbucks and or a Tim Hortons over there. I'm sure our listeners will fill us in on that. Okay. Yeah, well, the further away it is, the better, because I'm just thinking like at, say, 725 or 825, if I'm craving a snack, I might run down and get something, but I I don't want to start that particular habit. I brought some bananas with me today. (laughs) That'll get me through the day. Two bananas. Uh, That'll do it. Yeah, that'll do it. So today, as you mentioned, we are... Uh, you mentioned it's the Terry Fox Long Weekend, and August Long Weekend always comes with it comes with a host of festivals through Southern Manitoba. But one of the biggest, of course, is Eastlandingadagarin, the Icelandic festival in Gimli. Well said, Brett McGarry, and I suspect you and I have stories 
suitable not to air on the radio surrounding the Icelandic festival and uh, frivolity in Gimli. Would I be correct in that assumption? You are correct. I do have some stories that I could tell, like the time that uh, we walked back from the Viking to my buddy's cabin in Sandy Hook on 2nd Avenue. That was a, just a stupid story. And that took That's us a huff. It took That's us a about three hours. Yeah. I think it's uh, 13 kilometers, if I'm not mistaken. It's either 11 or 13K. It took us three hours. We were tired and thirsty. You went in a very straight line, too. By the end, yeah. By the end, (laughs) it sobered us up nice and good. Actually, you know what? That time, the first time we did it, I wasn't even drunk. I, I drove us out there. Um, but and I had a couple of drinks at the beginning of the night, and then said, "Okay, I'll I'll just stand down and drive us home." But the Mounties were there checking everybody. They were anybody who got behind the wheel. They were pulling them over and checking them. So I went up to one of the the Mounties and said, "Hey, uh, I had a couple of drinks like four hours ago. Could I take a breathalyzer with you now?" <laughs> Preemptive yeah. breathalyzer. Well, I figured it can't hurt to ask, and he said, "Sure." He said, "No." But you can get in your car and take your chances. So we didn't take oh. our chances, and uh, and we wa- we had to walk. So, all right, yeah, that was they, uh, they, they, yeah. You know what? At some point, don't they need to sort that out? Wouldn't it be good just to have something that was official? People are trying to be responsible. You know, I guess the most responsible thing to do is not be driving in the first place and to plan that far ahead. But I would have commended you for your ingenuity, your ability, and your willingness to go up and speak to the to the Mountie and ask him such a question. I might have obliged you, but then again, I don't know what the rules are. And and plus, I know you and I like you, so I, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I would let you. I would let you try it out and see where you're at. Oh, hey, by the way, it today is a big day. It's a happy birthday to. A couple of young lads we refer to as the Twin Towers. Happy birthday yeah. to your boys. Yeah, thanks, Brett. Uh, 14 years ago, right now, we were sort of in the middle of it. We had probably just arrived at St. Boniface Hospital. I'm going to tell a little bit of a story about that day in an hour or so. But uh, we ended up in the kitchen in the basement of St. B, a place that I know quite intimately now, but I I don't know if I'd ever been in that hospital before and had no idea where we were going. And uh, our adventure started at uh, about five in the morning when when Jackie's water broke. She said, uh, I guess early enough I can tell this. She goes, oh, I go, what? I think I just peed the bed. I'm like, <laughs> When was the last time you peed the bed? <laughs> I jumped out to this other bed. She, to this day, she says she'd never seen me move so quickly. I moved uh, into the kitchen, phoned the doctor. The doctor was like, yeah, it's a little early, but uh, you can come in if you want. So Jackie had a shower. We didn't even pack a bag. We oh, didn't no. have a camera. We had nothing, nothing, nothing. Went to the hospital and, well... About six and a half hours later, they were both born. So uh, sure, uh, some of those details and a, and a huge thank you at 7.15 to uh, those that got us through that day. Mackling and McGarry, thank you so much for joining us this morning on The Start. A Winnipeg woman is at home healing after being bitten by a massive fish last weekend that left her with severe injuries. Global's Marty Blunt has the details. When I looked down, I could see its whole head and I could only see... It was a pain like she's never felt before. Kim Driver was wading about chest deep into the waters near Manaki, Ontario Saturday when the unthinkable happened. And all of a sudden I felt something just tap my left leg, like brush it. And then next thing I know, it just took a hold of my right leg. I looked down and I saw the fish's head, which looked like an alligator. And it just grabbed it and it moved me from side to side and then it pulled me under. You just went, something's got my leg, and then her arms went up in the air and she went under the water screaming and nobody there, like, how do you even have a clue what to do? It's, we're in Manaki, Ontario. It's the Winnipeg River. Nothing attacks you there. Driver called out and friends and family quickly rushed her to hospital. She was left with scrapes on the front of her leg and deep puncture wounds on her calf. Fish, 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 big. 
A muskie, a fish sought by many anglers, the species can reach over 50 inches long. They're rare to catch, and an attack like this, even rarer. And they have really uh, bad eyesight. Um, you know, they use their lateral line, which is something that senses vibration, um, instead of their eyes, usually to hunt. Um, so uh, it couldn't, couldn't tell the difference uh, between, you know, what, what it was biting and a fish or whatever, or a, a duck or whatever. And, um, yeah, grabbed her leg. Driver is now waiting for her wounds to heal before undergoing plastic surgery. And she says it may be some time before she works up the confidence to go back in the water. Like, I'm going to go back out this weekend, but I have no intentions in going swimming. Um, but then maybe give me some time and we'll see. Marnie Blunt, Global News. Now, I hate to correct anybody that was involved in that report or said the words, it's unthinkable. It is thinkable. It's what I think about every single time somebody <laughs> wants me to jump in the lake. And that's why I don't. And I'm embarrassed to admit it, but I freely admit that anytime I'm in Lake of the Woods or I don't even go in anymore because I had a panic attack the last time I did it. They, they Have you ever done this bobbing thing, Brett, where you turn your life jacket upside down, you stick your legs in the arms, zip it up, and you can just kind of sit in the lake? No. Yeah, it's kind of a cool thing. You sit with your beer and just kind of hang out. And I tried this uh, Clearwater Bay at my friend's cottage. This had to be Oh, 16, 17 years ago, and all that kept going on in my head was, ah, there's there's animals and fish that live in this water. I'm not interested in meeting them. And that was it. That was it for me. So this story, you know, tells me I've been right. I know we never hear about this, and it's a one in a billion sort of thing, but I feel I feel justified. Mackling and McGarry McNabb is back next week. Don texting us at 204 780 on this. The question, have you ever been attacked by an animal or at the very least startled by one? This discussion inspired by the Winnipeg woman who was bitten by a muskie in the Winnipeg River in Manaki. Don says, long story short, stop to answer nature's call at the summit of the Coquihalla at 4 a.m. Halfway through, I noticed a grizzly on the rock, looking at me, rolled under the trailer into the truck, tossed the sweatpants out the window. Then I realized my clothes weren't accessible from inside the truck. So, Don, thank you for that. <laughs> Keep those texts coming at 204-780-6868, and we will continue to discuss it in our next segment. Greg, is, I was sitting on my couch yesterday at 930 watching the Winnipeg Jets skate out onto the ice to take on the Vancouver Canucks in exhibition play. I wondered, is GMAC watching this? I saw not a second of it. I not get a second? Not a single second. I went to bed early last night, and uh, the boys were giving me updates. They'd come upstairs and whisper from the door, Hey, Dad, Tucker Pullman scored. Hey, Dad, Ehlers scored. And they didn't know if I heard them or not. I heard them every time. So, uh, yeah, Jets skating away with a 4-1 win. Kelly Moore joining us now. And, Kelly, I know you didn't get to see the game either. I'm just scrolling through Ken Weeb's notes on sportsnet.ca here. And I think probably the biggest relief, if we can call it that, is the fact that Connor Hellebuck seems to have picked up exactly where he left off uh, when the Jets last played March 11th. Yeah, I would say more reaffirmation, uh, GMAC, because all the reports out of uh, the Phase 3 training camp of the Iceplex was that Hellebuck was rock solid, uh, even even when they were just skating or scrimmaging. So, uh, yeah, certainly uh, that, uh, I think, sends a message and uh, yeah, and the, and the Jets were not great early by all accounts. I will uh, have full disclosure. I've seen the highlights. I did not see the game. I tried to get to the first period, but uh, woke up and the game was over. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, you know, and that's such a key for the for the Jets is to have Hellebuck play the way that he did. But I think also what was important was after they gave up some of those early chances. They uh, really settled down and played the kind of hockey they were playing uh, 
just when the pandemic struck. So, uh, you know, I, I think it's uh, it's two really good uh, uh, steps forward for the Jets in terms of a Hellebuck. Uh, certainly showing that he's not going to cool off and the rest of the team showing that uh, they can pick it up as well. You talk about giving up those chances. So, I mean, giving up a lot of shots is kind of the Jets' modus operandi, is it not? Yeah, well, we had Jack Michaels on the Edmonton uh, Oilers play-by-play broadcaster uh, the other night on the sports show. And, you know, one of the things he said, and it's absolute fact, is that, uh, you know, the Winnipeg Jets... Uh, probably have the poorest track record of any of the teams that are going to play for the Stanley Cup in terms of the quality chances that they allow. So that's going to be a concern, and I'm sure that's going to be talked about in these next couple of days in the preparation for Calgary. There were some grade A chances that Connor Hellebuck had to stop, and I'm not even counting the uh, the breakaways for Bar- Brock Besser and, and Bo Horvat. Uh, just the in-tight stops that uh, the Jets are going to have to clean up in their own end because you can't possibly depend on Connor Hellebuck all the time you want them to be there when you need them but uh i think that uh you know they'll uh, and and they showed that uh, as the game went on you could tell by the highlights that uh you know they were uh, better defensively uh over the second half of the game than they were in the first so if they picked up where they left off goaltending wise picked up where they left off in terms of shots against 38 shots for the canucks last night that's their second technically their second consecutive win in edmonton months apart yeah. and they've won five in a row 139 now, days as a matter there of you fact. go of course yeah. you did the math kelly brett how did you think it looked because obviously that's going to be the starkest uh, thing the the thing that jumps out most for casual and regular fans is no fans in the stands. Yeah, I was wondering how that would come off on TV, but the way that they've done it, it actually looked. I don't want to say it looked like, like cool, but I, I I didn't think it looked bad. You know, they they put tarps over all of the seats, uh, but they they wrap these tar- tar- uh, tarps really tight, so they've got graphics on them, so they look nice. And they they added some extra bells and whistles in terms of uh, lights and displays. So I thought it still looked cool. Obviously, the sound component was missing, and it was kind of weird because they were still playing music over the loudspeakers, but I didn't, I don't know, I didn't mind it all that much, Greg. I thought it looked pretty cool, Kelly, because I watched... Oh, sorry, Greg, go ahead. Yeah, I watched some of the games, uh, uh, parts of the games uh, the the previous night on uh, Tuesday night, and then some of the games yesterday, just bits and pieces of them, and the the goal horns are specific to the team. They're doing that, and they're piping in some some crowd noise, but I think I said it uh, yesterday morning, it sort of reminded me of when they play an outdoor or a winter classic because there are no fans around the rink in in those situations, and, and it felt similar to that in, 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 in my view. Yeah. You know, I guess the other thing I'd add to that as well, uh, you know, because we have been watching baseball for a bit, uh, and, and certainly, you know, if you've been tuning into other events like the MLS is back tournament, uh, even golf and NASCAR, it's almost starting to become comfortable for no fans to be in the stands, if that makes any sense at all. I know now when I'm watching, you know, and, and Lord knows we had a full uh, healthy diet of the, uh, you know, the, the the classic games from the 80s and 90s and earlier in the 2000s. To me, guys, and, I, and I'm, I'm almost afraid to say this, it, it almost seems abnormal when the stands are full of fans. Oh, boy. Yeah, I'd hate to get to that. I'd hate yeah, to get to just, that. The it, Florida Panther fans will be comfortable. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, and, and, and as I say that, I'm thinking also, you know, it won't take it, it won't take as long uh, when things return to normal. It won't take as long to accept fans in the stands as it did to get comfortable, or even I don't want to say comfortable, but at least not weirded out by the fact that nobody's there. So it goes from preseason to postseason really quick. Flames versus <laughs> yeah. Jets, Saturday night and Monday afternoon. Yeah, they're at the post, as our good friend Darren Dunn used to say at Assiniboia Downs. And uh, yeah, if you're the Calgary Flames, 
And after you watched how well Hellebuck performed and, and how Winnipeg got better as the game went on, you know that you have your work cut out for you and all of the pre-series analysis looks exactly as it should after watching both of those teams play their exhibition games. So I would think that, uh, you know, the Jets are going to have they're not going to be overconfident, but I think they're going to be very secure uh, in uh, in how they're playing going into that series opener Saturday night. And uh, yeah, I, I I have to think that the Jets, uh, it, just like Calgary was against Edmonton, they started off sluggish and certainly got better as the game went on. And I think both teams are going to try to come out of the gate and really go at one another right from the opening face-off. I don't think you're going to see kind of that little bit of uh, hesitancy or uh, I don't even want to call it feeling out, but just getting comfortable. I think these two teams are going to go, uh, they're going to get at it right from the get-go Saturday. And I don't care if I have to uh, prop my eyes with uh, toothpicks. I'm staying up for that one. (laughs) Thanks, Kelly. All right, guys. Mackling and McGarry, McNabb is on vacation. Earlier, we told you Marnie Blunt's story of a Winnipeg woman who was bitten by a muskie, big fish, in Manaki in the Winnipeg River. She's going to need some plastic surgery on her leg. She described the fish as the fish head like that of an alligator as it chomped down on her leg. So we want to have a conversation right now, and you can text us at 204-780-6868. Have you ever been attacked by an animal? And it doesn't have to be a bear it could be your cat cat scratches if anybody's ever gotten a bad scratch from their cat it can be brutal Uh, or maybe your dog or just someone else's dog Uh, or at the very least have you been startled like have you been out maybe for a hike and out out walks a bear and to say hello so let us know 204-780-6868 jeff braun is here jeff fortier is here kelly moore normally joins us here but he's got he joined us in our previous segment he's getting ready for a 725 sports fortier what do you got i've been in my uh, parents backyard uh, a couple of years ago and it was late at night and i'm hanging out there hanging out and all of a sudden i see something waddling and it's a skunk and it's right in front of the back door, so I can't run in. I can't. It's right by the gate as well, so I can't oh, no. run to the gate. I, I actually I ran to the other side of the yard for some reason. You know, when you just you, you panic and you run. So I ran to the other side of the yard, and then it waddled into the shadows, and I didn't know where it was. So then I just booked into the house fast as I could. But it just—it's one of those things where you just get so scared, you don't know what to do. Yeah, it, well, because you, you don't want to get sprayed, right? I know. Because how long does it take to get that stink off you? It's awful. It's awful. I remember. I think uh, was, I can't remember where the lake was, but the the family who was hosting their dog got sprayed by a skunk, and the entire site stunk for the rest of the weekend. It was truly awful. Uh, and the sad thing about skunks is apparently they make wonderful pets. Greg, like, would you, I mean, you'd have to get it, I guess you'd have to de-spray it or whatever the term is. I don't know the term. I'm sure listener Arthur will yell at me for not knowing the Descent? Descent, sure. Yeah, you'd have to descent them, but apparently they make wonderful pets. I've heard that, and they're, what's that, Jeff? I said remove the stink bag. (laughs) That's the technical term. (laughs) Oh, okay. I didn't realize we had a veterinarian on the panel. I would have deferred to you right off the bat. So uh, apologies for that. They are cute as the Dickens, but yeah, you don't want to have a close encounter. The dog that would eventually become Wrigley, and I don't need to tell the entire story there. Um, Wrigley Field? My dog. Pardon me? Wrigley Field. (laughs) After Wrigley Field, uh, her name was uh, Jackie before I started dating Jackie. So I had to change her name. Um, She had had an encounter all too close with the porcupine. The quills and everything took a chomp at this porcupine. And the porcupine sprayed its quills. And poor Wrigley was on uh, in quarantine, I think it was for six, seven weeks. Had to stay on the clothesline at my dad's house. Basically, that was as far as she could go. And and my dad would uh, feed her from a distance. It was a pretty tough time. So that uh, that interaction between uh, two animals is one that sticks out for me big time. Do porcupines fire their quills like projectiles? I don't know if they do, but they you know they they get them out 
and I guess Wrigley was a little too close. I'm not exactly of the, sure the science. I'm sure someone will tell us how that all worked, but yeah, they had to surgically remove quills uh, from her face. Oh my goodness, that's yeah, scary. Yeah, not pretty, not pretty at all. Jeff Braun, I know you, I believe you have uh, a tentative, a tenuous relationship with dogs. Is that correct? Yeah, I've been bit by five different poodles in the course of my lifetime, which five is an interesting stat, I always think. All poodles? Yeah, poodles hate me. I don't know what it is, but including the poodle we owned that bit me when I was a kid on Christmas morning. I, I still I felt very hurt that it happened on Christmas morning. And because it was Christmas, nobody else really seemed to care about it. And then a year later, it bit like the neighbor's kid. And then we had to get rid of it, but whatever. So, yeah, poodles is the bad one. I think the worst I had, though, was when I was a toddler. I, I, I could walk, but sort of just barely. And we were visiting relatives in New Brunswick. And my mom's uncle and aunt had a St. Bernard. And everybody sort of turned their head for a second. The St. Bernard knocked me down and laid on top of me to the point where they couldn't see me underneath the dog. And very quickly it turned into a where Jeff go kind of thing. And they finally, someone said, hey, that dog's got a weird look on its face. Let's look underneath it. And there I was all blue in the face. They found me in the oh. nick of time. Oh, my God. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I, uh... And that's why I don't like dogs. Okay. <laughs> Well, we're, we are getting a lot of texts here at 204-780-6868. Like Joanne saying, my brother and I were chased by a rabid skunk. We climbed a tree, and each time we tried to climb down, it would rush towards the tree, frothing at its mouth. It must have been half an hour before it finally walked away, and we jumped down from the tree and ran home. I have never been startled in the wilderness uh, by any animals, although I do remember I was staying at Tall Pines Lodge, and it was quite the reverse, actually, and we were told that this would happen. The deer in the area, just hap they just walk right in to the grounds, and they come over and say hello, and I guess that's because they've become so acquainted to the, seeing the people, and the people will usually feed them, and I, th I think they told us not to feed them, and I don't remember if we did or not, but uh, they, they allowed, like, I actually was able to pet a deer, the one time that's ever happened. So that was, mm. yeah. So that was, it was bizarre and surreal because anytime you see a deer on a golf course, for example, they'll stand there skittish, for a bit. right? Very skittish. They run away as soon as you get anywhere near them. And uh, I have only ever seen a fox once in my life that was also at a golf course. It was a little baby fox that poked its head out while we were on the tee to, to take a look at what was going on. Jeff Courier was with me and he said, oh, if mom and dad were around, that wouldn't be happening. Uh, because he ne we never see them. I did see a I bear. I see foxes all the time. Do you really? Yeah, well, especially around my parents' place. I've seen them right across the street on the neighbor's uh, yard because uh, they live right by uh, Buns Creek. And oh, Buns Creek, okay. It, like, tons of foxes. Okay. Well, hey, let us know mm. your stories. Have you ever been attacked by an animal, startled by an animal? doesn't have to be a wild animal. could be your own animal or a friend's animal. If you had a bad experience with your cat or dog, let us know. 204-780-6868. And a couple of people saying porcupines do not throw their quills. I was just like, imagine, like, you know, that'd be... That they'd be like a supervillain if that was the case. Just turn around and fire the quills. <laughs> yeah, it's a common misconception according to several listeners who are texting us here. But they they do attach and they're they're like fish hooks. So there you go. I guess uh, Wrigley was just that close to the porcupine. Oh boy. Yesterday. Greg, uh, the Couch Potatoes were actually recruited to go record a podcast with just a couple of local guys. They call themselves The Real Debaters. It's a podcast about movies, and they wanted us to join them to have a debate about which movie character do we think would be a good radio host. And uh, this, it turns out, the, well, first of all, I went with Morpheus from The Matrix, and Jeff Braun went with Steve Buscemi's character, Carl Showalter, from Fargo. And uh, then the, the real debaters went with Beetlejuice and uh, Vince Vaughn and Owen Wilson from Wedding Crashers. So it was a, <laughs> a diverse mix. But no the, kidding. The, the location of this was at one of their apartments, which was in Osborne Village. It was on Clark Street, just off of River near Donald, so I could walk there. So it's like a 10-minute walk, no problem. And we did that early yesterday evening, around 
And uh, the observations I made on the way there and the way back kind of left me feeling a little bit guilty because I, I felt like maybe I was, uh, you know, feeling some whole not in my backyard stuff because it, Osborne Village has always had its share of, shall we say, riffraff. Is that safe to say? Mm-hmm. That, that, that's always been the case. I would, I would concur with you. Yeah, particularly the, the corner by the subway at Osborne and River. There's always at least one interesting person hanging out there. But uh, as I walked down River towards Clark, um, there was a large group, uh, and there, this has been pretty common in recent weeks and months, a large group of people camped out essentially in front of the church just off of uh, River and Osborne. They, did, they weren't causing any trouble, but uh, they, were, they were being a little loud. And uh, then on the way back, uh, I walked past uh, a guy who was lying down on the ground. I, at, at first I thought, is this guy passed out? Like, is he in distress? And when I walked by, he looked like he was just, just needed somewhere to lie down and, and sleep. He had a bag with him, uh, and he was sleeping on the bag. Uh, then uh, uh, rather, I, I well, I think the way I said to you yesterday, it's this sketched out woman who, who is like really ornery and, and fidgety walked by, walked right up to me and said, hey, hey man, do you have two smokes you can sell? I'm like, nope. And I just kept walking. And then uh, the, when I walked past the church again, the people were still sitting there. And then when I got to Roslyn and Osborne, and I could hear this guy from around the corner when I was still on river and I finally got to the, uh, I was on the west side of Osborne. He was on the east side at Roslyn and Osborne and he was just screaming at the top of his lungs. And I'll, I'm just going to back off the microphone, but you're, everyone was having to look around and turn because this guy is just shouting, what, what? And he was adding expletives on top of that. And I thought, in 10 minutes, I just saw a lot of stuff that made me feel, quite frankly, uncomfortable about my chosen neighborhood in Osborne Village. But then, I, as I pointed out, I felt guilty as well, because should I have stopped and asked this person who was lying down on the boulevard if they needed assistance? Um, I felt guilty about the way that I looked at uh, the people who were in front of the church, and I uh, felt well, I didn't feel guilty about being weirded out by the guy who was cursing and swearing at Rosalind and Osborne. But I just, I don't know, I, I kind of just wanted to get that off my chest and wonder if you're seeing similar stuff in your neighborhood and how it makes you feel. Uh, Greg, you live in, in a suburb. I don't know what, what the situation is out there, if you ever see, uh, you know, stuff like that. But I know that it's, it's becoming more and more common in my neck of the woods. And um, I don't really know how to feel about it. Well, you know, uh, the fact that you feel guilty about feeling guilty about how you feel, I think, uh, says a lot about who you are as a person. And it's, it's not up to me to analyze any of that, Brett. But I think you've just highlighted some of the challenges that our society has overall. There are people that need help. They need resources uh, that aren't necessarily available. We need outreach on the streets so these people, if they don't know these programs exist, can find out uh, where to get help. A lot of people don't want, quote unquote, help. So that's also an issue in my mind. And I think this is one of the largest things that stands in the way of Osborne Village, of downtown, becoming what they can be because people do feel uncomfortable. They feel awkward about saying that they feel uncomfortable because there are human issues attached to these interactions that make us feel as though we don't want to go back. And um, I understand where you're coming from on so many fronts on this, uh, but I know a tremendous number of people that that is the barrier between them going downtown and not going downtown, between going from their parking space to Bell MTS Place and back, and not going out and experiencing more of what the downtown and what Osborne Village, what these different neighborhoods have to offer, that it's becoming increasingly awkward, these interactions with people who are clearly uh, either in uh, mental health distress or are using drugs or are homeless. And it's, it, it's, a, real, it's a real tough one. And this is something that uh, our community has been battling for, for decades or more, but it's really, really coming to the uh, forefront now.
Mackling and McGarry, thank you so much for joining us this morning on what is a special day, celebrating something special that happened 14 years ago today. Yeah, Brett, I, I don't know if, uh, if I have ever been on the air on the twins' birthday before, and uh, today being the deadline for the Tri-Hospital Lottery, if it's okay, I'd like to send a gigantic thank you to the doctors, all the nurses, the support staff working now or who have ever worked at either of the neonatal intensive care units in our city, whether it's at Children's Hospital or St. Boniface Hospital, where my boys, Brett, you affectionately refer to them as the Twin Towers, that has stuck, were born. They came into the world weighing less than eight pounds combined. They're not the smallest babies ever by a long shot, but let's just say they weren't quite finished yet. Today, they are two and a half inches shy of being a combined 12 feet tall. And I have to say our experience at St. B was unreal from the moment we walked into the hospital. We somehow found ourselves in the last place we should have been, the kitchen. Wonderful woman direct us to the triage. In fact, she walked us up to the women and child program as we were told this was in fact happening today. Yeah, our babies were arriving eight weeks early. We were also told that there was no room at the inn. Both the NICU at Children's and St. B were full to capacity. They were investigating the options, two of those being Saskatoon or Edmonton. Brendan and Alexander apparently wanted no part of having either a Saskatchewan or Alberta birth certificate. Less than five hours after we, re- we, the, we arrived at St. B, both boys were born 15 minutes apart. Not in the movie or TV-like fashion. There was no cutting of the umbilical cord. No first cry, oohs and ahs. The boys were whisked away immediately, and they're nearly one month of care in a part of the hospital I had never heard the name of until I was standing in the middle of it began. It would be a couple of hours after their birth that I would lay eyes on them, even longer still before I could actually hold them. I had a discussion about one aspect of the boys' care over the weekend, uh, Brett, and it it really stands out how the nurses in particular didn't just care for the boys, they they cared for Jackie and I as well. This is uh, highlighted uh, three weeks into our time in the NICU, I was confronted by one of the nurses. It It was a Friday morning. We've made a decision, she says to me. You aren't allowed in here until tomorrow morning. You need a break. Reluctantly, we accepted the advice. We went out for dinner. We, in fact, went to see the Dixie Chicks that night. We walked in about 12.15 Saturday morning with some stink eyes, some laughing, some chuckling. They let us in on the technicality that it was, in fact, Saturday. There are too many stories to share about the extraordinary care my family received, the scary times, the laughter, the tears. On this, the 14th anniversary of the best day of my life, I just want to say thank you to those amazing people who do what they do to take care of other people's babies. Thank you to those who support your favorite hospital foundation. On July 30th, 2006, I quickly learned that a part of the hospital I never knew existed the day before would forever change my life. And I am forever grateful. Greg, I can't believe I'm about to say this, but the time has come for us on the start to get baked. <laughs> well, uh, okay, you first. But last fall, on the one-year anniversary of marijuana legalization in Manitoba, we spoke to a couple of women about how things had gone over that first year and had such a great time with them. We've been looking forward for a reason to bring them back, the Two Baked Girls podcast. And we've got a reason today, because as you know, Greg, I've been complaining about my sore knee lately, plus my anxiety has been just through the roof this week, getting used to our new surroundings. And one thing that keeps coming up from various people from all different walks of life, dude, you should try some CBD. So we welcome back to the start, Ray Ray and Alyssa, the Two Baked Girls. Good morning, Ray Ray. Hey, what's up? Good morning. And good morning, Alyssa. 
Good morning. How are you? Doing very well. Thank you so much for joining us. So, Ray, Ray, we'll start with you. And we're gonna, we, we, we will talk about how things have gone, continued to go during legalization. But I do want to talk about CBD. And I guess maybe the basic starter question, because you know, you, a lot of people are like me and don't know anything about this stuff. Can you refresh our memory on what exactly is CBD? Yeah. So um, there's basically uh, CBD... There's two things, CBD and THC. They both come from the cannabis plant. So pretty much when people think about cannabis, they think about getting high, uh, getting baked. Uh, That is the THC part of the plant. Um, So when we talk about CBD, that is a non-psychoactive part of the plant that people use uh, for uh, medicinal-wise. So actually, yeah, Cupcake actually knows way more about the medical use for CBD. So I'm going to let her, like, drop some science down on you guys right now. (laughs) So should we be calling you Cupcake? Yes, Cupcake is the name I go by. (laughs) Okay, (laughs) sorry about that. Okay, Cupcake it is. (laughs) Thank you. So the science. Uh, Yeah, so the science. Uh, Not that I'm a scientist or anything, but uh, so everybody has a endocannabinoid system within themselves. And CBD works hand in hand with that. And uh, so it can actually increase certain levels of chemicals in our bodies such as serotonin, uh, things that affect our sleep and wake, and things that affect our pain levels. So CBD works hand-in-hand already with chemicals that are inside our bodies. So that's what people need to know, too, is that everybody has a different endocannabinoid. Oh, almost got the word. (laughs) Almost. Uh, Everybody has a different system inside of them. So CBD works differently with everybody. Um, That is why uh, some people will take it and they're like, oh, I didn't really notice anything. Some people take it every single day and they realize that they're feeling normal. You know, there's no anxiety. There's no pain. It's not until they stop taking it. And then they're like, oh, man, me taking that every day actually did do something for me. Okay, so I want to ask you about the different ways to to take it, Cupcake, but uh, just this whole idea of it affects people differently. I think that's one common element, whether you uh, ingest uh, gummies or whether you smoke uh, marijuana and all the different strains uh, uh, of both are obviously important. How do you, do you you consult a physician? How, How do you start down this path of figuring out what works for you in in the best uh, in the best uh, fashion without you know ha- running into a bad situation. For sure, uh, if you have a physician that is open to discussing uh, CBD, I would highly recommend discussing it with that with them. Uh, if not, uh, there are places you can go and speak to people that you know have in, have knowledge of the plant and and of how the CBD works and stuff. Uh, so I would definitely speak to somebody if you're if you don't know anything about it. Uh, and it's something like, you know, it's just like pharmaceuticals. Uh, you kind of have to do trial and error a little bit. Like I always recommend keeping a journal and trying different doses and seeing how they work. Um, you know, if you take too much, you're not never going to overdose on CBD. So that's one positive thing. Uh, you might feel a little bit groggy the next day if you've taken a little bit too much. So, uh, but that's pretty much the effect of, of taking too much there. So there's many different forms. You can take it in oils, in capsules. You can smoke flour. uh, You can put it into edibles. There's many, many, many different ways. Uh, There's even like juice crystals and stuff that you can get on the market now. And, uh, you know, food seasonings and stuff. So it makes it easy. It makes it discreet. There's lots of options. Our guests are the Two Baked Girls podcast, Ray Ray and Cupcake. And Ray Ray, I remember talking to a guy a couple of months back who told me he too has joint pain and he also has anxiety. He gets up in the morning, he takes a drop of the oil and he's good to go for the day. Like, is it really yeah. that easy? Yeah, it, it, it can be. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it definitely is. And I think, um, I think that's the big stigma around it still is that people think it's like, people that smoke joints every single day that it's just because they want to get high or get baked. But a lot of people are taking CBD oils. Like I said before, like my seven, my seven year old daughter, she's on CBD. So she has autism. Um, that helps her. It's incredible how much that helps her. So that's just a little tiny bit of oil that we give her in the morning and at night. Um, a lot of people add it to their coffees in the morning. And like cupcake was saying, like you can get seasonings, you can get drink mixes, um, so the way that people are using it now, it's, it's very medicinal and, um, and it's, 
it's kind of cutting that stigma because like people had no problem going to a doctor and getting T3s and all these crazy, crazy prescriptions for pain. But yet it was a big deal for them to go outside and uh, smoke a little bit of CBD flour or just even a regular joint to get rid of that pain. Right. So now I think people are realizing that it's more, it's more natural um, and the side effects to it aren't so crazy. Right. You don't have to worry about your liver shutting down because you take too much CBD. So well, you know, that's a really good point. Do you think the stigma is disappearing, Ray Ray, where people are a little bit more comfortable with this? I think it's slowly starting to. Um, I know, like, from experience, like my dad, right? My dad was totally against weed. All, all he knew was that it was illegal and that it was bad. Um, but I think that once people start seeing these other um, ways that we're using the plant, like the CBD, and what it can do for us in the medical and like medical wise, you know, I think people are starting to open up to it now. Um, I think that there's still a big stigma about people smoking a joint, you know, in their backyard. I think there's still judgment on that. Um, but I think when it comes to CBD, people are starting to kind of uh, relax a little bit more and, and taking it as an option because there isn't crazy side effects to it. Our guests are the two baked girls podcast ray ray and cupcake and we are speaking to them today because i have been curious about cbd oil because i've had a variety of people tell me that it will help with pain i've got a sore knee in recent weeks and anxiety as well and uh, we have a text message here at 204-780-6868 from charles the garlic guy who says i have a buddy with rheumatoid arthritis he can't function very well without the cbd oil he went to the states on holidays last year and couldn't cross the border with it he suffered for a month until he came home and started his daily cbd treatments again cupcake is this something that one can like i guess i can just walk into any shop and buy this stuff i imagine but is it something i can get a prescription for Yes, you can. Uh, I actually have a prescription for medical cannabis, and uh, CBD is one of my options. So I use it daily. Um, I have two jobs where I'm not able to smoke at work. Uh, So I use the oils on a daily basis in order to get through my day. Uh, I struggle with anxiety as well. So, Ray, Ray, what are you hearing about the the other side of that text message crossing the border? Is, Is Canada's legalization causing issues for people that you know in terms of getting into the United States? And of course, we're not going there right now, but uh, in the last several months, that uh, that was an issue uh, earlier in the year. Oh, for sure. It's a huge issue. Cupcake actually had that issue. She went down to the States for a concert. And like she said, she's a medicinal user, so she uses every day. And the state that she went to, um, it was legal cupcake. Yeah. Um, it was legal, but because she's a Canadian resident, she couldn't purchase anything down there legally. So that really effed her up because, like she said, she's a she's a daily user. So how are we supposed to, as like daily users, and we're using it medicinally, how are we supposed to cross the border to go to the states or anywhere outside of Canada uh, without our medication? Right? Like they let us they let us leave with Tylenols and other prescriptions for you know high blood pressure and everything like that. But then all of a sudden you have some CBD oil and you and you're like, nope, not allowed. Sorry. <laughs> so that's super frustrating for sure. So then, what did you do, Cupcake, while you were down there? <laughs> I I purchased illegally. I had to medicate. My anxiety was through the roof the entire day. Uh, it took all day to get it, but uh, I had to purchase illegally. It's almost magical for some people, this stuff, isn't it? Yeah. It really is. It's like telling somebody that has to take, um, you know, like uh, other people that are on... Um, on um, medications for anxiety, like pills or benzos. or benzos, right? Like if they don't take those every day, you know, their anxiety is through the roof. And it's the same thing with CBD. It's just, it's just another, it's another natural drug, right? So I think people need to wrap their brains around. Like I think doctors really need to get on board with this and have CBD as like one of their first options to offer to somebody for pain and anxiety and um, sleep, uh, not being able to sleep at night because pain has way less side effects than any other pills. So when it comes to trying CBD, like as you may remember, I told you the story last year of when I tried a joint uh, that had been purchased legally from, I think it was purchased from Tokyo Smoke. uh, And I tried it in the company of my then girlfriend who told me it was low THC, high CBD. So try it out. I did. Turns out it was high THC, no CBD. I had a panic attack. It was awful. With CBD, but I was in 
her company and I was in a controlled environment. What if I'm trying CBD for the first time, like this oil, uh, is that a similar thing where maybe I, I know it won't get me high, but should I still be in a controlled, relaxed environment? Maybe try it like for your first time trying it just so you're more comfortable. Uh, just your anxiety level at the start is, is a little bit lower. Um, but afterwards, like CBD is, it doesn't really, like there's non-psychoactive, right? So it, it just kind of allows you to go about your day. Like I think it's eliminates all the anxiety and pain yeah. or whatever it is that you're experiencing. And I think a lot of that too is mind over matter, right? Because you have in your head, you know, your last experience smoking a joint was not a good one for you. So I think in your brain, you're like, oh my gosh, like if I take this oil, is the same thing going to happen? And you might cause more anxiety for yourself. So I think it's really important too to be, like Cupcake said, really relaxed and in a good environment the first time and just realize that it's not going to give you that same effect as a THC joint does, right? Overall, uh, Ray Ray, how do you think legalization is going? Are we are we uh, making some some positive steps and in, in terms of this being a part of acceptable everyday life? Well, I think um, for the most part, I think uh, I think our Prime Minister Brian Pallister has to have a little bit more education on uh, cannabis and the effects and the and the great uses for it. Um, Manitoba is the only province. In all of Canada, where we're not allowed to grow our own four cannabis plants. So that's super frustrating for a lot of people. Um, I think that when people have tried to talk to Pallister about the benefits of having marijuana legal, obviously it is legal now, but I don't think we have a lot of the same benefits as a lot of the other different provinces do with it. Um, so I think there's a lot of work to be done in Manitoba. Um, I think federally, though, um, I mean, it's super awesome that it's legal, right? So just like we're trying to end that stigma. So now hopefully more research is going into it and uh, making people realize all the health benefits from it. Um, but yeah, I think it's super frustrating for Manitoulins, um, especially uh, ACMPR growers that are, that are allowed to grow medicinally or have their medical cards. You know, now we have to go through another step and get our ACMPR papers, licenses saying that we're allowed to grow plants, whereas other provinces don't have to at all they're they're just allowed to grow they could grow for cannabis plants in their backyard if they wanted to ray ray and cupcake the hosts of two baked girls podcast joining us live on the start thank you so much girls this has been great thank Thank you you. thank you you so much for having us on and you can find them on instagram for example i'm looking at their account right now to be the number two bg podcast two baked girls podcast they are super fun and i think i've got the confidence now to go into a shop and try this stuff out Mackling and McGarry, McNabb back next week. Listen to this story from Brad at 204-780-6868. We were asking you if you've ever been attacked by an animal or at the very least startled or frightened because this Winnipeg woman got bitten by a muskie in the Winnipeg River in Manaki and she needs plastic surgery. So Brad says, I was elk hunting and walking down the trail up north and a big black bear came out of the bush 200 yards ahead of me, stared me down, stood on his back legs... I just stopped, didn't move, and he charged at me. I waited and waited because I didn't want to shoot him. And at the last second, like 50 feet from me, I was aiming about to shoot to protect myself, and it darted into the bush, probably the most adrenaline-infused, scariest moment of my life. Imagine a bear standing up and then saying, all right, it's time to dance, let's go. Uh, I think I would have died of fright. Yep. Yep, that's uh, dying of an attempted bear attack. <laughs> yeah, just not the bear wouldn't even make it to me. I'd just be like, "That's it. I'm I'm checking out. <laughs> I don't want to. Yes, I don't want to uh... be around for what comes next." Thank you so much <laughs> for all the stories. By the way, this has been great fun. Hey, thanks for listening to the Start Podcast. We are available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Subscribe now and never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, rate the show. Tell us what you think. And hey, even tell a friend about the podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Greg is at GMACWPG. That's G-M-A-C-K-W-P-G. I am at Brett McGarry, B-R-E-T-T-M-E-G-A-R-R-Y. And Loren on Twitter is at McNab on Global. And on Instagram, at McNab on C-J-O-B. Talk soon.